the name, calls him by that name. So it's not it's not that he didn't know the name, it's he hadn't got, he hadn't fully revealed the essence of what the name represents. Exactly. Because he made promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and not all of those promises did they uh, did they see with their own eyes, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and now God is remembering the promises that He gave to him. So, and He's saying now it's time to show my faithfulness and have and show my mercy on their descendants. Amen. And that that's one of the things we're learning. We're learning that God will be faithful to His promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's because of His faithfulness to. To the promises that he gave to Abraham, that all of us are sitting here today. Amen. There it is. Good, good, good. Good to see you. Um, we're going to walk through these. How many plates are there? Four plates? Six plates. Ten. Ten plates. Unless you go to the apostolic writings. Or, I mean, actually, if you go to the uh, Psalms, they get summarized. They get summarized. To seven. So we're going to walk through the plagues, and we've only got, we don't have all ten in this portion. We're going to walk through them lickety-split. Like in about 15 minutes, we're going to walk through all of them. And then we're going to come back to the beginning. So if we're not talking about plagues, chill, relax. We'll come back to it. Okay, so I just want to review these plagues. Our first plague picks up. In what passage? Seven, seven. I'm hearing chapter 7. Chapter 7. Yeah, I ended up in the wrong chapter here. <laughs> stupid, 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 stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm flipping to the to the left like it's it. <laughs> no, never. <clears throat> First plague. Nile turns into blood. Comments on this blood deal. What did you notice this year, perhaps for the first time? Was there blood in the bathtub? Yes. Ooh. Was there blood in the Nile? Yes. Was there blood when they used their pumps to pump? Yes. Where was there not blood? When they dug brand new wells. Then they got water. This you should see as God's mercy. Otherwise, it, could, it would have been real bad. By the time you get to the 10th play, I mean, they're all bad. Get him in there. That's right. That's right. Okay. So we've got, uh, we've got water into blood. Now, what was the deal? Did, the, did the, the little magicians pop up yet? Are they in this yet? Did they do that one? Yes. They did that one. Okay. Second plague I see in chapter 7 and verse 26. Infestation of... Um, did the Egyptians have some sort of affinity to the Nile River? Yes. They thought it was uh, a god. But it turns out that, that Happy was the god of the Nile. Kind of sounds like our English word happy, but that's what his name was. Happy was the god of the Nile. That, so that was happy his name? Wasn't so happy after this event. <laughs> happy was kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> Happy's got a bloody nose big time. <laughs> was, was, there was two things. There was the god of the Nile, Happy, and then the other myth in Egyptian mythology was that, um, was that I think if I remember correctly, uh, it had something to do with Osiris as well. Osiris mm-hmm. is like, 
kind of like one of the bigger gods in their pantheon. Right, right, right. But or Osira, which is Sindhya, right? Um, Osira, Osira, Sindhya. Potato, potato, yeah, tomato. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Right. So, so yeah, so that well, actually, all of the all of the ten plagues were um, plagues against specific gods in their pantheon. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly right. So God is just smacking these guys around, trying to demonstrate. I mean, what what did he say was the reason? That they would know that I am God. Mm-hmm. It's not the frog, it's not the Nile, and so forth. It's important that, unlike the movie or the cartoon, mm-hmm. or whatever it mm-hmm. is, that it's not Moses that puts his staff in the water, it's Aaron. It is. Mm-hmm. It's also Aaron who threw the staff down to do the little mm-hmm. snake trick, too, right? Mm-hmm. But it turned out the magicians could do that one, too. Huh. But they lost. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, we, no question. Who's that guy hobbling there? The guy with no stick today. Why is he got no stick? <laughs> yeah. It was a snake. That's right. Okay, so second plague, frogs. Lots of frogs. Were the Egyptians, uh, magician guys, able to do this one too? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, the boy is the first one. Okay. Anything else on the frogs? You're right. They're in you too. Yeah, I noticed that. I've never seen that before. In 29? Ew! Actually, the, 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 the Gutnik says, into your intestines. <laughs> people who sleep with their mouths open. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a bed bug Don't infest- do that. There's, there's a bed bug infestation in America in hotels right now. Can you imagine if that were frogs? Oh, no. oh my goodness. Yes, sir. Well, my question is, if, if the if the Egyptian uh, magicians did this as well, how could they tell the difference between the ones the magicians summoned and then the ones? Yeah, you know, frogs, frogs. Frogs. Oh, no, I think that is. I think that's really good. Two questions came to my mind. And I was going to hit it on the third one, but you brought it up. The first question, if I were Pharaoh, I'd be like, okay, so you can do it. That's good. I don't need any more frogs. Can you undo the frogs? That would be the first thing. What would be the second thing? To make something that can eat the frogs? Oh, that's good. Do something clever. I like it. All right, we'll come back to it. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a <clears throat> starting with the snakes and the <clears throat> the, the blood and, and whatnot, but particularly with the snakes. There's there's a midrash in Exodus Rabbah that that talks about when they first showed up and they asked Pharaoh to you know God of the Hebrews, Adonai the God of the Hebrews, says let my people go. Pharaoh's like. We heard of a god named Adonai. I don't know a god named Adonai. Yeah, no, right? And he throws the staff down, turns to a snake. Right. Of course, there's an interesting thing in the Hebrew there with the spelling of the word for staff. We'll skip that now. Um, <clears throat> so the, he calls the magicians and the necromancers, and they do the same thing. Okay. And the Midrashim talks about how when the, when the necromancers mimicked this um, this miracle. That Pharaoh kind of, they all kind of mock Moses and Aaron because you have to remember that at this time, um, not only was Egypt the you know the dominant nation of the world, sure. uh, but it was um, it was the capital of the world in terms of occult and black arts. So mm-hmm. the Midrashim says 
they were mocking them because they were like, you come to us with a magic trick? Don't yeah. you know you're bringing magic mm. to Magic Town? Like, you know, we can do all this stuff already. You're not impressed. We're in Disney. Come on. <laughs> you're not impressed. Exactly. A cheap magician's trick. <clears throat> you know. and, and and so two things are, are significant. One, in the Midrashim, it says that um, it says that uh, that Moses responded um, with, um, I think he quoted something from Proverbs, if I remember correctly, that talks about bringing herbs to, basically the, the way they phrase it in the Midrashim is, um, but you, sh you should bring herbs to Herb Town. And the, and the point was that, the point was that if you are, an, if you're a, a farmer, an herb farmer, or you're raising herbs or whatever, and you think you've got the best product, you want to take it to the place where the experts let's go to the farmers market right are right yeah so, people appreciate it that's right so so <laughs> on the one hand they're mocking you because you're bringing magic here that we already have but the fact that their serpent ate the serpents of the of the yeah. sorcerers was to say yeah but our magic's mm. better yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not magic that's right this is a better quality, you know, stuff than what that's, you guys have. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Um, son of Chazal, by Chazal I mean these, uh, I can't remember the word in, in Hebrew. Yeah, the sages of blessed memory. Um, anyway, one thing they noted, and I, I didn't even notice this, didn't even think about this until I read that they had noted this. The magicians are turning the blood, they're turning water into blood as well. They do it after Aaron's already done it. So that means Aaron's turned basically all the water in the land into blood. Only thing they can get, only fresh water Egyptians can get is from wells. That means they're having to take small amounts of water from wells and turn it into blood. They can't even come close to mimicking what Aaron's doing. They're doing it in a, even if they did do it, they did it on such a small scale. Exactly it's completely right. dwarfed by, exactly what, right. by what God did. All right, we move on to the lice infestation, one of my personal favorites. Yes, ma'am. One, one little statement here that always strikes me is, um, <coughs> and they stank. The land stank, <laughs> yes. And Verse I'm, 10. I'm just trying to imagine all of the stuff that's going on. I mean, blood in itself. Is, and you keep adding on stuff. Because I think we're so overwhelmed sometimes by the plagues themselves that we forget there's an ongoing consequence. You bet. Yeah. So this is and they realize up. at the end the, uh, the Pharaoh's uh, counselors realize that. Do, do you not realize that Egypt is destroyed? We're in ruins here. Because. It's, it's getting worse and worse. You bet. And the lice. Yes, ma'am. I just find it odd half um, that he, when he's asked, when, we, when do you want me to have these frogs taken away, he says, tomorrow. Yeah. I guess I just don't understand why he wouldn't say now. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to sleep with their mouths open again for another night. I mean, it just seems... He wanted proof that it would be God that took them away and that it wasn't natural. Yeah, it's got to be a, a, a specific, specific time. Point. And we're going to get to what I think is an amazing demonstration of God's mercy here uh, as we step up. But yeah, that was one of the things I was, you know, like, well, 10 minutes ago would be good, but I'll wait 10 minutes if I need to, right? That kind of deal. All right. Anything about the lice? I mean, there's really nothing to speak of. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. If I could, stepping back before the plagues a little bit, and I have read it before, but it just hit me a little harder this time. For God has told him, and I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I mean, it's like 
Lord, why would you harden his heart so that he would, they would have to do these things? But then, and then he says that he will be letting them go. I mean, he's he's telling Moses what's going to happen, yeah. you know, before it happens. And and all I could get was is just for his glory Amen. that it would be a some, a dem- and it does say that yes, I think you know that Egypt will see that I am the God. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly right. And we noted that last night when we were at dinner. Um, God goes through the, the text. You're going to say this. The Pharaoh is going to say yeah. this. That's when I want you to say this. Don't You don't have to ad-lib. I just told you everything's going to happen. Then when you do this, now put your right foot forward. Flip that sucker down like this. The head of the snake will come out. You just kind of drop it on. You know, that kind of thing. You just, you just architects and choreographs the entire thing. Yeah. And if, and if I were Aaron or Moses, I'd be going, wow, I can't wait to see all that. Send somebody else. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 a word, there's actually three different words in the Hebrew that are used to describe the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Okay. That's uh, right. There's three different words, and there are um, 18 verses in this passage, in this portion, that describe the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Nine of those incidents, it says God hardened his heart. The other nine, it's understood because it either explicitly says, or it's a little ambiguous, and Hazal have said that the other nine times Pharaoh made the choice to harden his heart. So, so because you get into the question all the time of, well, if God, you know, if God hardened his heart, then he really didn't have a choice, but that's not true. God did harden his heart only after Pharaoh had already decided he was not going to comply. I think it's really important that we recognize that it's normal for us to see men or women who have been chosen by God as instruments of his righteousness. Instruments used by God to accomplish his purpose. And we tend to kind of focus on the guys who are doing cool things and the guys who are being used by God in a noble way. Pharaoh is being used by God as an instrument of righteousness. Mm-hmm. He just ended up on the wrong side of this particular fight. Poor Pharaoh. But Pharaoh made his choice. Yeah, his point was great. That was excellent. I was going to say, one thing I did find interesting was um, the word they used a couple times in here. Sometimes they use hardened. One thing I saw them use a couple times is strengthened. And yeah. I, I feel like that, to me, that was a little bit of a better word to use because hardened makes it sound like like Pharaoh was no longer wanted to be hard, and God's like, no, you're going to have a hardened heart. And you just said that's not true. But I think the strengthened helps convey that idea even more. Pharaoh is still not is still saying, I'm not going to let your, your people go. And God's like, well, if that's the decision you want to make, if basically you've decided this is what you want, and you want to be strengthened and not let them go, fine. I'll give you what you want. I'll strengthen your heart so you can make it through the fight. <laughs> give what you wish for. Exactly. <laughs> Something about the lice. Um, most Egyptian men shaved their head, right? Mm-hmm. So 
<laughs> one of the things that you know we do now is when you get the way to get rid of lice is to you know shave your head. Mm -hmm. So they're already shaven. There must have been a lot of lice because <laughs> lice don't <laughs> lice don't sit in open areas. Right. They like to burrow around and get in warm right. spots. You see, we'll just leave it at that. You're exactly right. <laughs> oh my. It's really neat that that's actually the one that they can't do. They can't do that. It yeah. stops there. And well, that's I they claim this must be the finger of God. Yeah. Personally, <laughs> I think I think Pharaoh probably stepped in there and said, "Look, look, look." You did, you did what? You did the frogs. Don't you give me any more <laughs> If you can't make the lice go away, don't do anything. But you're right. Fourth plague. What does your Bible say that is? The fourth plague? Is, it, is this the arot? Arof? Arof? Is that? Mixture. Mixture? What do you got? I think the Hebrew is arov, is it not? Is this the, is this the arov one? Swarm of wild beasts. Now, beasts don't normally swarm, right? Locusts and, and insects swarm. We would, what, what would you say if you had wild beasts coming at you? It would be a herd of wild beasts. It wouldn't be a, a flock. It wouldn't be a swarm. So that's why there's some confusion here. Mine has wild animals wreak havoc. Mine has flies. Flies, right? And with gnats, flies, gnats, wild beasts. It just sounds like it wasn't pleasant. We move on. Again, we're trying to move swiftly. Um, the mixture I have is like you, Rick, the beasts, snakes, and scorpions. Okay, number five. Death of the cattle? Boils? I have boils as six. Five I have is death of the cow. And this is the last one that the term is Jeremiah referred to, that Pharaoh's heart was strengthened. Yeah. After that, it's, and God hardened his heart. Mm -hmm. Next is the boils. Who do you think about when you say the word boil? Jim. Why? He had boils. He had boils. It really wasn't a tough question, folks. Try to work with me, okay? <laughs> I know it's a tough crowd, but gee whiz. Cheskiahu, Hezekiah, had a boil. I don't remember that. He had a boil? One boil? He was going to die from it. Yeah. From the boil? Is that what he was going to die from? That was a Texas-sized That's a big boil. Oh, my. Talk about a bad sore. Okay. The seventh plague has got to be my favorite. What did you notice about this hail? I am looking specifically for timing references in the text. So if you can give me a few of them. I think we'll see a tremendous picture of the character of our Savior. Yes, ma'am. Well, one thing is hail is cold. Hail is cold. Fire is hot. Fire is hot. So there was heat with cold. Okay. That's kind of unusual. Well, isn't this one of the first time there was a warning? Yeah. This is. Exactly right. Now, the, the fire and the cold, I don't know how you do that. That sounds like God. Mm -hmm. Sounds like God. This is the first time we get a warning, and I think it's extraordinary. Um, is it 20? Tomorrow, 17, actually. Yeah. Now, what gets me is... Um, the, the, the flax and the barley part? No, no, no. Before we get there, send and gather in your livestock and all that you have in the field. The hail shall fall on any man or beast that is found in the field and not brought into the house, and they will get bruised. No. They will die. They will die. Now, up to this point, it, it, I mean, for me, as a military guy, it sort of sounds like 
we've got this amazing military general who is toying with an inferior force. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like some guy who's really good at fencing and he's just toying with his opponent and playing with him. You've seen movies like that. And finally, you know, he takes the shot or he rips the guy's clothes up and all of that stuff. That's what I felt like until I got here. And this is amazing. God says, I'm going to drop hail the size of cars on you. You will die. You need to go inside. Mm -hmm. And what's the next line? Uh, what's 20? Whoever feared the word of God <gasps> and Pharaoh's servants. Escaped. Yeah. So, can you see that? You're in, you're in the pagan court. <laughs> I saw the frogs. I feel the lights. The blood stinks. I'm calling the animals in. That's all it is. Sweetie, bring the animals in. I mean, he gives them an opportunity to demonstrate. But do you see how doing something saved their property? You see that? They had, it said that they believed. There was a faith movement here. But the faith was expressed in an action. They couldn't just say, you know, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it. He did the last ones. That would, you would die. You had to actually believe and then do something on the belief. Mm -hmm. That should resonate in your faith, I think. Do you believe that it's the graciousness of God that caused him to do this? Yes. It caused them to. Caused him to give them the warning, the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, is there any other reason why he would do that? He doesn't wish that any, any should perish. But that all come to salvation, and how does that happen? Through the knowledge of the Son of God. It's interesting that it doesn't, like, there's no, you'll have this for seven days. Like, with the Nile, there was a timing period. This was like, all right, this Hail's, is going to Hail's going to start dropping. Yeah. yeah, but then it doesn't yeah. stop until he calls for Moses. <clears throat> which, that's interesting how they got to Goshen. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. Is this the first one now that doesn't fall on Goshen? Is that right? No. no. So we've got it on from four on. So Goshen's clear on. Goshen's Goshen's been fine for a while. Okay. So so can you picture from the roof of the of the Pharaoh's palace? I mean, there's animals and guys all around because all of, all of the fields been knocked down with these Volkswagen sized pieces of hail that are coming down, right? And of course, what happens to it? What happens to the hail? Fire. What? Okay, I thought it was on fire on its way down. It melts. It melts! You look out there and you see poof, some guy gets hit with a Volkswagen. A clear one. On fire. And then what happens? Uh, not very long after that, fire, ice, it melts. What do you got left? Bodies. There's bodies in the mud. There's bodies all over the place. Bodies of animals, bodies, bodies of people. It's unbelievable. So now he calls for Moses. Moses takes the chariot or the cab or, you know, a leisurely stroll. He's got a pretty good stick. He's with Aaron. They're walking, right? And he gets to the end of the Goshen deal. I'm thinking that's the Aruv. We're done, right? So what? do you think the hail was still falling? Yes. The hail was still falling. We know the hail was still falling. It says it was still falling. So how did Moses get from Goshen to the palace? 
Circumptine. Serpentine. Ha! Ha! He's a running back. That's it. That's it. Swing left. Pull right. I don't think so. What do you think? I think he just, he just moseyed like on. Like the ribs. He moseyed on. He moseyed on through. I think if there was enough hail falling at that Amen. time, it would have looked like there was some shield yeah. over his head. You know, the divine umbrella of protection. As it, you know, stuff bouncing off the, you know, the thing, boom, 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 you know? That's cool. That's the provision of God. Wouldn't that be a sign? Wouldn't it be something? I mean, you know, there's Pharaoh just kind of standing there watching people get hit with these Volkswagens, you know? And he watches, and this guy is walking right through the midst of it. That's, uh, I, personally, this would have been the turning point for me. There's ice the size of a Volkswagen on fire, falling from heaven, people are dying, and this guy is walking right through it. To me, that's an amazing, an amazing thing. He actually goes out and stands in the middle of the hail in order to ask God to have it stop. Did you notice that? He looks up to heaven. That would be tough. A school bus is about to drop on your face. He looks up at the bottom of the school bus and asks God to stop the hail. <laughs> Unbelievable. Actually, Isaac had something. Yes, sir. Um, I was going to say, um, it seems kind of odd in certain situations that Pharaoh would finally give in to certain plagues. Isn't this the one where he said he sinned? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it says here, I'm sinned. I am, I'm a sinner and God is righteous. Amazing. The sages say that the only times he actually gave in was because it was threatening his life. The others, the boils were uncomfortable, but the frogs were... In him. Yeah. So certain things, the livestock didn't affect humans, it was only livestock. Mm -hmm. It was uncomfortable for him. Yeah, yeah. caused detriment, but the only times he actually came when we haven't gotten to it yet, but the death of the firstborn, because he was the firstborn, was really uncomfortable. I'm okay with that. Don't you think most men are that way? Yeah. It, it takes a near-death experience for a lot of idiots like me to, to get to the point where you're willing to say, okay, okay. I mean, if my body was covered in boils, I might get in right there. But <laughs> It's the scraping of the boil with the potsherd that bothers me. Yes, you know, this thing is pussy and oozy, and now I've got a great oh and you went far yeah that's it oh man uh. there are times i have to say i did experience it as a child feeling rebellious while i was getting whipped and not feeling it i was so angry and i thought you know he could be in that same state you know just not feeling it really i mean being so angry with God at what he was doing that he was and rebellion that he wasn't actually you get numb to it but having the life threatened knowing you'd be you know snuffed out it would be more threatening you got this life threatening thing and then to my point earlier in verse 29 Moshe said to him when I leave the city I will spread my hands to God the thunder will cease and there will be no more hail, in order that you should know that the land belonged to 
to God. Not only the people let my people go, right? Not only the people now, the land does too. And this this is Egypt. I, I think the other thing that's <clears throat> that's that's really vividly demonstrated here is just the power of pride. Mm-hmm. Because what you have here is you have Pharaoh. And Pharaoh thought of himself and was thought of by the people as a god. Top show. He was a he was a deity like figure that was a representative for all of their pantheon, right? So and he is not only thinks of himself as a god, but he is also the the king of the most powerful empire on the planet at this point in time. So you can see just the relentless ability of pride in our life to make us do some of those idiotic things. You know, um, and we are totally blinded by the pride, and this is exactly what we see here with Pharaoh, because he cannot relent, because he's got, he, he is a god. So this is a showdown between who is the, who's the bigger god. Right, it's between god and god junior. Exactly. And it was his pride that just kept pushing him over. Exactly. Because Pharaohs were looked at as gods. That's right. Absolutely. I was just going to say to add on to what Gloria was saying about how Pharaoh may possibly out of anger would have been that much more rebellious. If I can draw a parallel, that's exactly what we see in Revelation when the people who take the mark of the anti-Torah man are plagued with all these plagues. We're going there. Oh, that's okay. why we're zipping through the plagues so quick uh-huh. so that we can spend a few minutes in Revelation. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, I don't get, and I think Jonathan was going to go there, but uh, is later when it says the flax on all that was ruined, but the wheat was was totally fine. How is like Volkswagen sized mm-hmm. ice not ruined the wheat? It didn't come up yet. Okay. Yeah, it's, it says that uh, it, at least in the version I had, um, the first plant was already in flower. The other one was ready to bloom. That kind of thing. They're like right behind one another, and now. <coughs> You know, and I can tell you that we've seen that kind of stuff here just in our own garden where, you know, it's torrential and you we're going out in the monsoon trying to cover it over so it doesn't I have a follow-on question to that. Was it more of a surgical strike? Because if you have Volkswagen size hail, yeah. wouldn't it also go through the dwellings also? In other words, it's, an, it's almost like an act of faith of bringing the, the cattle inside, but if that um, severe hail is coming through. Unless they have like hurricane-proof That's right. shelters, That's right. it's going to come through the shelter. The iron point. ceilings <laughs> were not invented at that point. Yes. So That's good. So so God is specifically targeting the fields. And maybe even certain kinds of fields to his point. <coughs> I think that, I think the scripture is clear that the the other two that they mentioned, the spelt and the wheat, was it? Yeah. Were not in season, they, they're they're later on, and we see that even with Shavuot and Pesach. Which is just something to say. It's kind of cool that we know that during during Pesach, the barley is of you. That's that's we're bringing it in, right? But you've got sixty days right. until until the, until you're, you're oh. bringing in the sheaves of wheat. So exactly right. So it wouldn't have been planted at oh, that time. It may have been planted, but it certainly wasn't even up. Right. Well, but it would have helped the small plants. It would have had to it, not it may be not planted have been. or strategically yeah. not picked. Yeah, that's great. Or it could have still been underground. Sorry? It could have still been underground. Exactly, which is what I think was, is probably the deal. But if you're using the field for that and you're going to replace it with this, then it probably wouldn't have been planted at that point. Mr. Wright's point was probably a precision 
airstrike. It's yeah. it's got to be right. I never thought of it, but it's got to be because he says you know bring him inside. Yeah, it seems to Sound indicate that the, the field. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. And every reference to it is in the field. Bring them in from. The bring field. them in from the field. the field. That's right. If you if you're outside, right, that kind of deal. And it's as we get to the darkness next week, it was dark even inside. So maybe God had an AC-130, you know? That I, metal I is cold, Moses, and the fire Moses, inside. He lays the target. That's what he's there for. Moses was a magic dragon. He's the first stone. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's there lacing all the targets. <laughs> 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 and, that's what, and that's the phrase, bring the rain, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think the fact that Aaron may have been lacing the targets is supported biblically. <laughs> because Moses, awesome. Moses went by himself to Pharaoh it's this time. Staff, man. Aaron wasn't there, right? Where's Aaron? Mo he goes, Moses He's goes in by himself. He says, when I leave, you know, we'll get it. <laughs> Aaron's checking out with the scope. We're clear. We're clear. <laughs> Pop the green smoke. Okay. That's great. Let's, uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> You know, thank you for bringing us back to reality. What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of faith, right? That that angel of death was going to hit every house, no question. And he stops because the blood had been applied, right? And the same thing here. He's going to knock out all the fields. He's going to kill all the animals outside. But if you've taken that faith to bring them inside, that's good. Very good. Thank you so much. All right. Let's flip over to Re Revelation, shall we? The entire chapter 16. It is not in the Chumash. It is chapter 16, yes. don't have a commentary. How do I do this? But I am going to, uh, you don't need to get it, that's right. If you don't have it, because you've got some kind of weird, you know, Torah-only device with you. Oh, some of you brought paper. Sorry, I'm sorry, no. Um, I'll go ahead and read little snippets so that you get the, uh, the flavor, okay? Um, first angel poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. How would you describe that in the... Phraseology we used from Shemot or the Book of Exodus. Boils. boils, yes, good. Boils. Somebody write that down. Second angel, it became like the blood of a corpse. Every living thing died that was in the sea. First blood. Blood. Would be the first one, right? Okay. Third angel poured out on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. My goodness. Uh, fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was, it was allowed to scorch people with fire they were scorched by fierce heat and cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues they did not repent and give him glory that one seems to be a little new yes? okay fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. I think that uh, the whole blister thing with the kiln and throwing up the smoke and all that is, is alluded to here with that. Sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates. It dried up, prepared the kings for the east, coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits. 
And they just happen to be like frogs. Oh, come on. Who wrote this? Gee whiz, they'd be like frogs. That's what I'm saying, Amy. Come on. They seem like frogs? Oh. All right. Demonic spirits performing signs and so forth. Seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air. A loud voice comes from the temple, from the throne, saying, It is done. What does that remind you of? The cross. The cross, where he says, It is good. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. What's that remind you of? Volkswagen, right, the hills. And a great earthquake such as there has never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. What does that remind you of? Same time. The same time. Remember he said, we're going to have plagues on you like has never happened before. Okay? What's that? Well, with the heat is done, the you're, you're still at the, still at the crucifixion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yes. I didn't want to distract from that. No, good. Yes, sir. I just wanted to make a quick comment that one of the names of the Antitora man is Pharaoh of Egypt. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Hmm. Hmm. Chapter 16, verse 21. Great hailstones, about 100 pounds each virtually the size of a Volkswagen, fell from heaven on people. I think I just added that. It's not really there. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. There it is. Okay? Yes, sir. Comment? No. Volkswagens aren't bigger than that. Mine says Buick. Yeah, mine says Dodge. That can't be a Dodge truck. The men were having a muscle car discussion on the table. I was just trying to help them out. Yes, sir. So there's a... Two guys walk into a bar. No, I'm not. <laughs> so there's a Baptist preacher. I see what you're thinking. He's Italian, he runs into the local uh, rabbi. And so they strike up a conversation and, um, and you know, good con- cordial conversation. And, and uh, the, the Baptist pastor minister says, You know what, Rabbi? Um, I'd like to give you a New Testament. And the rabbi says, ah, I don't read the New Testament. You know, uh, we don't read that. And he's like, well, I, I want to give, I, I want to give you this New Testament. I just want just one book. I want you to read. I want you to read the Book of Revelation. I, I'm just curious to get your opinion on this book. The rabbi says, no, I, we don't. I don't read the New Testament. I don't want your book. You know. So this kind of goes on for a few minutes. So finally, you know, the Baptist pastor just wouldn't relent. So finally, the rabbi's like, okay, okay, fine. I'll take this. I'll read your book of Revelation. And he said, we'll come back here next week, and I'll tell you what I think. So the Baptist pastor's all excited, so he gives him his, his uh, New Testament, shows where the book of Revelation is. And so they come back a week later, and you know, this Baptist pastor's really pumped up. You can't wait to kind of see what the rabbi thinks. And So, Rabbi, did you, did you read the book of Revelation? Yeah, I read, I read it. And he's like, well, what'd you think? What did you think, you know? And the rabbi's like, I think you stole our book. <laughs> <laughs> so the point being, of course, that, that all of this is really the book, the, the, the final exodus that will happen at the end of days mm. is uh, the, the exodus from Egypt is a picture and a prototype of what will come at the end of the Amen. Days. Right. Amen. So it's all has a prophetic element to it. And, and John, you know, God saw fit to give John a vision to confirm that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That's it. There's a consistency throughout the Word of God. 
He doesn't surprise us with things that he hasn't given or provided in the past. We step back to the beginning of the portion. We'll jump through quickly. Just real quickly while you're doing that, um, one of the things that I was struck with this this year that I hadn't really paid attention to before was um, the fact that it's Aaron and, Mo and Moses together that are bringing these plagues on Egypt, you know, obviously by the direction of God. Right. And it's all in response to, and it's the continual, remember, I want you to let my people go so they can go out into the wilderness and worship me. Mm -hmm. We'll go for three days to the wilderness and worship me. It's like, wow, that sounds like Yalkut Shimoni, mm -hmm. the prophetic uh, Midrash, which says that Messiah will come and lead his people into the wilderness where they will be kept safe. Which is exactly and what it the says plagues in that are coming upon, as we see in the book of Revelation, the plagues that are coming upon the nations are to get them to, well, excuse me, in Exodus, are to get the nations to relent and let the people go to the wilderness to worship God. So I just wonder, you know, is there some correlation or is, is do we have a euphemism for the temple itself? The, you know, the, the plagues in order to get the nations to relent and let the people build the temple. Those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. good good points. The, uh, I'm reminded of the, the phrases we have uh, about wings like eagles, right? He mounts them up. Wings like weagles. Wings like weagles, <laughs> right. Um, if you weren't at the Zadi class um, last Tuesday, that means nothing to you, but it was pretty funny when it happened. <laughs> but the, the, the ability for God to causes people to mount up with wings <laughs> like eagles. And later we see in Revelation where he hides them away in, he doesn't say the wilderness, it's in the wilderness. In but Petra. He, Petra. Petra. Right? No, it doesn't say Or whatever it is. You know, he's, he's got some kind of thing there in, uh, yeah, there's a, there's it's a the wilderness. It's the wilderness. Isn't there a phrase too in there, a name or something? I'll yeah. have to look it up. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, God said to the prophet Jeremiah, Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares Adonai, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. But, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. So, Right now, we're commanded. One of the one of one of the things we're supposed to remember is the Exodus. But yet, the prophet says there's coming a day when we're not even going to remember the Exodus from Egypt because the Exodus that's coming is going to far surpass the Exodus from Egypt. That's right. That's exactly right. If we uh, if we look for. Uh, the eagle's wings, we find uh, Revelation 12 also. Yeah, twelve fourteen. the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, like you said, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and half a time. Mm. Three and a half. Don't go, go. Don't go for three days. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that's... Uh, it's an amazing thing. All right. Any other comments on this portion? Yes, sirs. Please, Sean. Uh, I wanted to follow up on Rick's comment about. I was also struck by. You no, know, Aaron did a lot. 
Because in the movie, he doesn't do much. Yeah, and then he's, he's like, like <laughs> he's standing there. Right. He's got a funny look. I'm supposed to be talking, but I'm not talking. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but that was also uh, God's grace because you know, Moshe said, hey, I'm not sure I'm up to all of this. Aaron was more well-spoken. Uh, it was kind of like God's grace of bringing him a um, partner in crime or a sidekick. I'm not sure how you'd say it, but someone that could help him. And then uh, maybe Aaron wasn't quite as good as uh, some things. So it was like you know, Jonathan and David... Moshe and Aaron. Also, um, Moshe was kind of gone for a while, and, but Aaron was on the ground. So there was some credibility there. So we just saw God's grace in that God said, okay, here's Aaron. And you two together are going to go take care of them. Two witnesses yeah. from Revelation 11. Mm-hmm. We have uh, pairs used by God on a regular basis. You know, and, and you, you want to make pairs in the scripture. You're, you, I mean, you need a long piece. Elijah and Elisha. Jonathan, David, you know, you just go on and on and on, right? Yes. I think if you go through and look at all the ten plagues, the first three are actually initiated uh, at the hand, by the hand of Aaron. And it, well, I mean, obviously God instructs. Yeah, him, yeah, yeah. But Aaron does something, and the plague happens. Right. But then, but Touch then, the water, that's it. Just those three. Up, yeah. Then, I'll, then it moves to Moses. Moses. Then Moses starts to initiate. The, I think it's the next three or four plagues right. and then by the end the last uh, four plagues or so God is doing them directly so you see this progression it starts with Aaron doing something uh, then it starts with Moses doing something and by the end God is doing them directly um, so it's an interesting I do like the, the, I mean that's a, that's a neat progression to see I do like the fact that in almost every case they are stopped because a righteous man prayed. How does that remind you? Elijah? How about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Where am I quoting from? James. James, what chapter? Four. Five. Good. <laughs> I'm working on him. I'm working on him. That's good. Yes, James chapter five. You bet. Yes, sir. Um, although you're right, five. it does change from going from um, Aaron to Moses. Kazal actually notes that in that change, though, they're still mostly just using the staff. They're, you know, putting the staff down or waving it or anything like that. There's not a whole lot of action, them going out specifically doing things. And Boyles, it notes, is the first one where Aaron and Moses are actually doing something besides just using the staff. Mm-hmm. And Moses actually goes and gets the, the soot. Suit. Soot. 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 Sorry, soot. soot. Not suit. Soot. Yeah. It looks like suit. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Vittles. That, that might be the, actually the plague of the, against the sun in the book of exactly uh, in the book of Revelation and in Matthew sun chapter twenty four. That's right. Yeah. Yes, you bet. But and, it, and it speaks of sackcloth and ashes and stuff like that. Was it five? Absolutely. Thank you. Just check. <laughs> before before the, the plagues, there's actually a, a brief thing before this plague start in the beginning of the portion, and it somehow. Uh, God felt the need need to reiterate what the genealogy of Aaron and, and mm. Moshe was. Actually, but what he does is I thought it was interesting. He starts with these are the heads of the families. It goes Reuben, uh, Shimeon, and Levi, and it stops because you know they're descendants of Levi. And then it goes all the way down to you know Aaron and Moshe, but it doesn't keep going. Right. It's like but they're starting to sing the song and they stop. Yeah. Ruben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. No, no, no Ruben, Judah, Simeon, Levi. Levi. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was interesting. And then later, later it says, like, it goes, it lists them, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then it says, and these are, oh, let's see, hold on. 
Someone says these I can see you getting into heaven or in the world to come and some really, really old guy walking up just grabbed me by the front of the shirt and going, I'm the blah, blah, blah you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, sorry. Um, it, just says, it says these are the same Moshe and Aaron. Yeah. So they're the same as if they're other ones. What, what is, where is that? That's uh, so at the beginning of the fourth. <clears throat> yeah. Chapter six, like it's before six. the plague start. At the end of the, it's at the. 20. That's how the the lineage ends. Oh, chapter it's, sixteen. It's like, hey, it's not chapter sixteen. It's chapter six, verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. And and it starts out to say, this is Aaron and and Moses. Here's where they came from. This is the Aaron and Moses you've heard about. This is the Aaron and Moses we're going to write about. It's the same. Aaron and Moses. Right. What word should come to mind when you read that? Credibility. Family. Family. Mishpah. <coughs> this is the same Aaron and Moses you're related to. This is your uncle Moses. This is your great 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 grandfather Aaron. This is this is the same guys who you came from. It's a family thing. I think that's, I think it's special. I'm glad you saw it. One other thing I noticed too, and I'm not sure what this means, but apparently there are people who were lived, you know, 137 years old, 133 years old. But I remember back at Genesis, <coughs> God was like, okay, we're going to live the last 120, but there's still people living that long. Okay, so when a man grows old, does he have to die at a certain point? Or can God provide him? Length of days, length of years, okay. and brain. And that's what I was thinking today. Like we, like almost all the blessings we do, we say, "May the days be lengthened." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yes. I think just in the English, that's in the English. It sounds weird. I think that's what it was Brock trying to say. Mm -hmm. It's questionable mm -hmm. in English. However, in the Hebrew, it might mean something completely different. Yeah. But us both not being educated in Hebrew fully, we don't know. Yeah. Well, that's why we come together. You know, yeah. some well, some Hebrew nut is going to grab it. Yeah, oh, it, here's it, a Hebrew note right behind you. Go, go ahead. <laughs> well, that the verse that you're referring to back in, in Genesis 6, yeah. um, it says, you know, man shall not live 120 years, or, or man, shall, man shall live 120 years. His days years. shall be, his days yeah, should yeah, be days. 120. So it's, it's, it's not talking about the life of an individual man, you, me, somebody else, or whatever. Because that word for man there is... Um, is Adam, which actually can mean mankind. Right, it's not ish. So it's, it's not, not yeah, it's not ish as in an individual man. So uh, there's two understandings of what that means. One is uh, that from that the moment that God made that, uh, gave that prophecy, if you will, 120 years later is when the flood came. Because the mankind at that point had 120 years left. Pretty cool if you think yeah. about that. There's also Added up there's also another um, another understanding that uh, that the 120 is also a reference to not just 120 uh, annual periods, but 120 Yovel uh, jubilee cycles. So a jubilee is every 50 years. That's big. So 120 jubilees would be 6,000 <coughs> years. That the, that the history of man on the face of the planet would be 6,000 years. And that all ties back to a, a, an understanding from Ghazal about the six days of creation, and each day represents a thousand years, blah, blah, blah. And from Tuesday, you know that both of those can be That's true. Right. <laughs> right. The year we're in now is... 
5,773. Exactly. Good. Excellent comments. Uh, I don't. The Hebrew just says, "Who, Aharon, Moshe, Asher, Amar, Adonai." It's all said. I don't think it says the. It just says, "Who, Aharon, Moshe, Asher, Amar, Adonai." So who? Who is he? Who? Yeah, that's right. So, so it doesn't use the word this, like no. zeh, but it's. It's who it's like, so it's it's in the equivalent. It's it, in English. It would be like this is the same one. Right. For those of you who just missed that whole thing in Hebrew, who is he and he is she? <laughs> <laughs> it's, true. it's true. It's true, right? <laughs> who is he and he is she? So okay. Yes. And me is who? And he is who? Yeah. And dog is fish. And dog is fish. That's right. I think two times it says, um, Moshe says, having uncircumcised lips. Oh, yeah. Which is How many of you had uncircumcised lips for Moses versus sealed? How many had sealed lips? Sealed? Sealed? Everybody else? Uncircumcised lips? But what did the third of you have? Faltering lips? I thought he talked about his tongue in the movie. Now he's talking about his lips? I thought Cecil had that pretty cool. <coughs> B. DeMille's. Yeah. 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 The word is Arel, and it's definitely used elsewhere to describe like the nations are uncircumcised. Sure, or the fruit, right? Or the fruit, yeah. So uncircumcised. What's, what's the word again? Arel. Arel. So I just was curious, like how, how is that even, what, what is he trying to say there? Well, that, I mean, well, let's, let's take that, all right? He's, he's saying his lips are uncircumcised. What else of your body, besides the part we all know about, what gets circumcised in the scripture? Your heart. Heart. Yes! You know, what does it mean to circumcise your heart? Can you do that, by the way? Who has to do that? Can you circumcise your own lips? Wait, the scripture says you must circumcise your heart. Oh, you have to, you have to circumcise your heart. Circumcise your heart, you may. Okay, but how do you do it? Right? I mean, it's a team play. You have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling as he works with you, right? Okay, so we got a team thing. But it's obviously a God thing and a change of our flesh. Moses seems to have spoken pretty well to Pharaoh. I'd be stammering all over myself. He seemed to do pretty well. Would you say that this was due to the fact that he had actually had his lips circumcised or his tongue by stepping out in faith. Yes. There it is. I like it. Good. Other comments? Uh, I, I, so I didn't get that last part. What do you, what do you mean by he actually had his... I think that his, his inability was expressed by himself to God. Got a little, got a little upset. We got Aaron into the mix now, right? But as we see, as the plays go on, I think some of the men brought it out. We start out with Aaron doing everything. But then Moses starts doing more and more and more, even to the very end with the death of the firstborn, where he makes a very clear pronouncement to Pharaoh. And I think we are watching as God is circumcising this man's tongue so that he is using it as, again, an instrument of righteousness to the glory of God. There's a there's an interesting discussion in Mahazal about this whole idea of, of Moses being slow of speech. Yeah. 
and one of you know because we've always understood that basically being literal, literal that he wasn't a good speaker and it's probably true that he wasn't but there's another understanding that's talked about and that is that it's not that Moses was um, a bad speaker or not articulate. articulate. You, you bring up the stammer thing? Well, yeah, I mean, that he it's not that he stammered or okay. stuttered uh -huh. or, or couldn't, you know, couldn't speak eloquently. They talk about this idea that it was um, that Moses, because of, um, because of the experience at the burning bush and the the intense revelation that he had received that they describe it as 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 though if, if some if someone has such a such a um, deep revelation of truth that often for that person it's hard for them to put into words what it what it is the truth is that they have right. received right. and, so and that was really the the issue it's not that he he had a physical speech issue or that he wasn't um, confident in getting up and speaking or whatever. It was, the idea is that he, because of this intense revelation he had received and the encounter that he'd had with God, that he could not express in words the, the real essence of mm. the truth that he had. So it's just another, it's another understanding that they have of what that whole thing about the speech means, so. Chabad.org's. Uh, weekly drosh classes had why did Moses stammer <coughs> or did he? Right. Same kind of same kind of go. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses or, or read it. You but, still look good. Um, <laughs> the Moses is saying, you know, I'm slow of tongue in my scripture. Yeah. It said slow of tongue and something else. And God said, well, who who made the mouth? Who made the blind? Who made the lame? Right. You know, and that that hit me. This, you you do this, and I'd always thought, well, it's because of the sin in the world, or you know, contamination, pollution, sure. it's caused all these things. It's like, wow. So it's like, I'm thinking he truly did. <coughs> to me, that scripture says to me that he truly did have impediment. Yeah, some sometimes. And that some. God created it. You know, he yeah. allowed it. Well, you, you raise a good point that, you know, we we recognize that the creation goes out of its way on a regular basis to say, <coughs> God did this stuff on yes, this day, Lord. and it was good. Yes, Lord. And then this one, and yeah, that was good. And then the next day, and that was good. And in the end, we sum it all up, and it was very good. And we, we come to the conclusion that if there's somebody that has some kind of damage in whatever way, they can't think fast, they can't speak fast, they can't walk fast, whatever it may be, it has to do with sin. Mm. And that's just not what the scripture teaches. Right. And it, you bring up a great point. God gave him that tongue. How much greater glory could he have if, if God corrects this? And, and, and the thought came to me too as you were talking about Aaron, you know, and then after three, whatever, then Moses kind of takes over. Well, Aaron was his older brother, okay? And older brothers tend to seem to have more... <laughs> courage or yeah so get out there and just do it you know and the younger ones kind of stand behind and let the older one talk for them or to do for them or learn from them and but maybe he became more brave and, 
yeah. seeing his older brother speak step eloquently, up. yeah, step up. When, yeah. when you when you think of someone that has some type of impediment of some type in whatever part of their body, who comes to mind besides Moses? Paul. Paul. Right? Thorn in his flesh. Yeah, he had a thorn in the flesh. And he makes it very clear. We don't have to worry about any kind of interpretation. He says, who, who put it there? God. God put this thorn in the flesh. Now, whether it was a pussy eye, which I really think is pretty cool. Um, not cool to have, but cool that it would be that. Uh, versus a hip thing, you know, out of socket and walking with a limp. Um, you know. Jacob, why did why did he why did he say I'm, I'm writing this in my own hands? See how big it is? I mean, my goodness, you know. Like, oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. That he wouldn't be filled with pride. Back to Greg's point, you know, if you've seen all these cool things. Final comments on this portion. Was it a good portion? Yeah. How many of you are in the habit of reading the Aliyah each day? How many of you do that? Do you read the Aliyah each day? Do you have anybody idea, any idea what I'm talking about? No? No idea what I'm talking about? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Not really. Alright. Um, what's Those of you who have been doing this for a while, what's the Aliyah? It's the seven divisions of the portion for the, for the Torah for the, for the tor readings. So the men come up and each man goes up, Aliyah, goes up to the Torah, to the Bima, and reads that part or portion of the greater portion, right? So it's already busted down into seven days. If you're having trouble finding time to read the portion each week, as a lot of us do, read the Aliyah. Just read the Aliyah for that day. You start tomorrow morning or at sundown tonight. If you don't have it broken down into portions, it's all over the web, it's in your chumash. If you have a chumash, and not just a regular English Bible, on the right-hand side in every one of them, it will have it numbered. Or it'll actually write the word, second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on. If you have an English Bible, you're you know, out of luck. Good. Other comments? If you're going to buy a chumash, you should probably start with either a stone or a good yeah, um, I would. Uh, I, I, does everybody realize this is a Gutnik Kumash? Okay, so I'm holding up a Gutnik Kumash and I'm going to um, modify what Rick just said. If you don't have one, um, grab a stone out of there, would you? And hold it up. Big blue. Oh, this man's got one? Here's, here's another one. I, we got one. Like I said, the big blue one, that's the, whole, that's the whole Torah, right? So is this one. That's the uh, student size. Student size? Travel size. Travel size. There it is. That's what I was looking for. So this is the, the big boy. This is the uh, regular size. And that's like a student or smaller travel size. It's, it's just the five books of Moses. But and the Haftar. And the Haftar for the each. Right. It's got the... Uh, it's got the uh, the prophet reading for each each week, and it does have the, uh, the Megillah to read Esther and uh, Ruth. Okay, so it's got the whole. Oh, it's got all five Megillah. I didn't realize it. Um, so my my point is, if you want to if you want to see what some of the sages say, and I think everyone in this room would agree, sometimes what the sages say seems to be out to lunch. Sometimes it seems to be out to lunch this year, and next year, it makes a lot more sense. But if you want some conservative commentary that's, I think, very well done, the stone chumash is where I would send you first. Once you've got that commentary down, and perhaps you've read the Midrash Rabbah and some of the other stuff that Greg is quoting, then yeah, I think the Gutnik is great 
a lot more mystical and wild stuff in here, a lot of which I agree with. But sometimes it's just you read their version of it and you're like, I never thought of it that way. I don't think I want to think about it this way. No. Stone borrows highly from Rashi, which is literal text, so he's, he's explaining the literal. Uh, Rambam as well, and uh, also a lot of Ibn Ezra. So our very literal, it's very it's a very literal commentary. It just gives you insight more into the Hebrew or into the relationship to other verses, whereas the as the, the Gutnik draws it's gonna, it's gonna from start, many places. It's going to start with Rashi, and almost always it's going to start with him and say, you know, he was onto something here, and then they'll flesh it out with some other sources, uh, some of which are um, not quite as literal. Okay? Good. Other questions, comments? We've been uh, we've been measuring the CO2 level in the uh, in the residence, and we've noticed as we graph it over a month's time that uh, on Tuesday nights when the men are here, there's a lot of blowhards. The 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 CO2 goes over through the roof. We normally are hanging around 300 parts per million, <laughs> well over a thousand. Cool. You guys hit 3,000 during the Torah service Plants. this morning. Plants. You know, everybody's going. He's reading the, the Torah. <laughs> well, now we know why. Stop breathing. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Good Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. We thank you that you preserved it over these many years. We thank you for the Masoretes. We're so diligent to preserve the text, to copy it so faithfully, to give us insights to the Messianic passages to the care that we should take with each and every word, each and every jot and tittle. Father, we thank you for Moses, for his faithfulness to you. He was a faithful steward of your house. I pray that each of us would be faithful stewards of your house, Father, that you would find us faithful in our own homes, faithful to study your word, to make it a priority. In a crooked and perverse generation, as time is so precious, with children growing and relationships budding. Father, I pray that you would find us faithful to start our day with you. A time of prayer, read that Aliyah, to have the Word of God dwell richly within us, that we might be affected by it, that we might literally hide your Word in our heart, that we might not sin against you, that in the end you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, that we would be prepared and ready with a word to give an account for the hope that lies within us as we all pray for your soon return that you would take us back to the land that we would see the tremendous redemption of which we just see a glimpse of this morning I pray it would become reality even in our lives Father and all God's people said Amen, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you folks